Hey, Ketonians, in case you hadn't heard, Carl and Richard from the Two Keto Dudes podcast, along with a bunch of their keto friends, are going to make history by turning the U.S. town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic for the weekend of July 15th and 16th. Keto Fest promises to be not only educational, but a whole lot of fun. Jimmy's Fasting Talk co-host, Megan Ramos, and Jimmy will be speaking as part of this event, along with Eric Westman, Jeff Gerber, Ivor Cummins, and a bunch of other great keto thought leaders. In addition to these great talks, they're having an outdoor keto barbecue with a pig picking, live music, walking, running, and cycle tours, and cooking and fitness lessons. They've got the local restaurants and the mayor on board as well. New London in July is a popular destination, so you need to nail down your hotel room and get your tickets as soon as possible. Tickets are on sale now at KetoFest.com. That's KetoFest.com. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oil direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest-fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure, fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time, jimmyoliveoil.com. The information and opinions provided here are for educational purposes only and are not intended to provide individual medical advice. Material conversations and statements found herein are not intended as and does not substitute for a personalized doctor-patient relationship. You are listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and Surprise Arizona family physician Dr. Adam Nally. They are here answering the most pressing questions about a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet. Visit our website, ketotalk.com. And now, it's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Here's Jimmy and Adam. 
Hey, hey, guys, we're back here with episode 68 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. KetoTalk.com is our website. KetoTalkFB.com is the official Facebook page of this here podcast. And we're still away, you guys. We'll be back really soon with brand new episodes. But Dr. Adam Nally is here today, and we've got a very special episode for them in this show, right? Oh, we do. We are we are floating ourselves across the ocean. <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping that we have not struck an iceberg, but we should be we should be okay. Stop that! Stop that! <laughs> Uh, No, we actually are enjoying ourselves, eating lots of fat on a boat and about ready to give you an amazing uh, lecture on actually lots of probably question answers as we dive into this uh, here on the boat. Yeah, today we're going to air the Keto Clarity audiobook and we're going to have the myths chapter because a lot of people, they still have all these confusing things. We get it all the time in the questions that we address here on Keto Talk that people, they still just... They, they buy into the myths about ketogenic diets, hook, line, and sinker. So I wanted to air that chapter. And by the way, you guys, the Keto Cure coming September 26, 2017 from me and the doc, we're going to actually have an audiobook version of that coming as well, read by yours truly. So stay tuned for that. But today in episode 68, enjoy this Keto Clarity audiobook, the chapter on the myths about ketogenic diets. Enjoy. Chapter 10. Five Low-Carb Mistakes and How Nutritional Ketosis Rescued Me. Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. Terry Walls. The biggest challenge with a ketogenic diet is reducing the carbohydrate and protein intake sufficiently to get into and maintain ketosis. If you eat too much protein, your body will convert the amino acids into glucose. If you eat too many carbs, your blood sugar will be too high to have ketones. It takes fat to make the ketone bodies. Many people who switch to a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic lifestyle lose weight and improve their health without ever needing to test for ketones. So can you just eat low-carb and high-fat and let that suffice? The short answer, maybe. When I began following the Atkins diet in 2004 as a 410-pound man, any move away from the massive amounts of garbage, get it, carbs plus garbage equals garbage, I was consuming, was going to improve my weight and health. But my recipe for success at 32 may not work for me now that I'm over the age of 40. Years of poor eating habits will catch up to you, and for those who have more metabolic damage or who may be experiencing hormonal challenges, especially postmenopause, it's crucial to pay strict attention to your diet and test for ketones. Many people believe that they're following a ketogenic diet but are adding in foods that derail their progress toward ketosis. Maybe they're eating a banana with breakfast throwing off their carb intake, or having a chicken breast at dinner, sending their protein consumption too high. This probably explains why some people believe ketosis failed them. Their diets weren't strict enough to actually get them into ketosis, so they never got to experience its health benefits. Figuring out the amounts of carbohydrate, protein, and fat that are right for you and adhering precisely to those amounts makes all the difference in the world. Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. William Davis. 
increasing protein is not usually necessary and is generally self-limiting, meaning tolerance and appetite for protein will limit intake. And it is therefore rarely, perhaps never necessary to purposely increase or decrease protein intake. A substantial increase in protein may even impair the capacity to achieve a ketogenic state. In chapter two, I explained the difference between the low-carb Atkins diet, which many people have used for decades to lose weight and improve health, and the concept of nutritional ketosis. Now I want to share with you the five key mistakes that I was making in my own diet that prevented me from getting into a therapeutic state of nutritional ketosis. Correcting these major errors in my routine was absolutely necessary for me to experience the full benefits of a ketogenic diet. If you have been struggling with your weight and health goals while on a low-carb diet, these might be hampering your progress. Number one, consuming too much protein. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Charles Mobs. Every individual will have somewhat different sensitivities to protein. The mice we used in my lab are highly sensitive to protein. Protein moderation at varying levels is perhaps necessary for humans as well. This is discussed in detail in chapter 6, but it bears repeating since it goes against what we've been told about a low-carb diet needing to be high in protein. The media and so-called health experts would have people believe that a grilled chicken breast on a bed of green leafy vegetables is a perfectly fine meal on a ketogenic diet. And while it is indeed low in carbohydrates, there's one really big problem with this meal. There's way too much protein in it if you want to get into ketosis. A low-carb ketogenic diet needs to be high in fat, not protein, to produce adequate ketones. It all goes back to gluconeogenesis. When you consume excess protein, your liver transforms it into glucose. If you are making lean meats like chicken breast, turkey, and lower fat cuts of beef and pork the central focus of your nutritional plan, then you might be defeating the purpose of going ketogenic to begin with. Consuming too much protein and therefore getting more glucose in your bloodstream can stoke hunger and cravings and make you ravenous between meals. To keep this from happening, try to choose fattier cuts of meat and control the total amount of protein you are eating to see how that affects your blood ketone levels. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Dominique Diagostino. Low-carb dieting has been relatively easy for me over the last 10 years, but the ketogenic diet presented challenges when I first attempted it. Restricting carbohydrates was not a problem for me, but eating high fat was challenging at first. I also needed to significantly reduce my protein intake to achieve nutritional ketosis. It is nearly impossible for most people to maintain even moderate levels of ketosis if protein is greater than 2 grams per kilogram of body weight, unless there is a very high energy expenditure through exercise. 
While protein has been receiving quite a bit of attention in recent years in food marketing, if you consume more than the amount your body needs, you could be preventing yourself from being in ketosis. This is very likely the biggest mistake people make when they shift to a low-carb, high-fat diet. Yes, protein is a good thing for your body, but be aware that too much can give you problems no matter how low your carbohydrate intake. Number two, using urine ketone testing strips to measure ketosis. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Terry Walls. When patients are first beginning a ketogenic diet, I have them follow their urine ketones to confirm that they are in ketosis. However, since kidneys will adapt to and excrete fewer ketones after about a month of being in ketosis, I only expect to see a trace to small amount of ketones in the urine. If I am checking for blood ketones, then I look for 0.5 millimolar or higher. Far too many people on a low-carb, high-fat diet are relying on urine ketone testing strips, the best-known brand is Keto Sticks, to measure their ketones. But as we discussed in Chapter 8, once you're fully keto-adapted within a few weeks of beginning a low-carb, high-fat diet, it would be an error of epic proportions to believe these strips will give you an accurate depiction of how you are doing at burning fat for fuel. I understand the allure of urine ketone testing strips. It can be incredibly exciting and motivating, especially when you're new to this way of eating, to watch the strips magically churn from light pink to dark purple. They seem to validate our nutritional choices and prove that we're doing something constructive for our weight and health. In a way, seeing the change in color can feel like a reward for our nutritional efforts. Unfortunately, urine ketone testing strips can curb your enthusiasm at the very point when you are on the verge of real success with ketosis. Their inherent flaw is that they don't measure the particular ketone body, beta-hydroxybutyrate, that your body uses as fuel once you've made the shift from sugar burner to fat burner. The ketone body measured in the urine is acetoacetate, and as ketones become your primary fuel source, acetoacetate is converted to beta-hydroxybutyrate, which must be measured through a blood test or correlated to the acetone measured by a breath test. The urine strips only detect the presence of acetoacetate, which dramatically decreases or disappears once the body is relying on beta-hydroxybutyrate for fuel, making keto-adapted dieters think they're doing something wrong. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Zeeshana Rain. When people are keto-adapted, they tend to have more beta-hydroxybutyrate in the blood and excrete less acetoacetate in the urine. Over time, as beta-hydroxybutyrate becomes a more important substrate for energy production, the body makes less acetoacetate and more beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is the reason that urinary ketone strips are unreliable when tracking nutritional ketosis. Once you realize that switching from burning sugar to burning fat means that acetoacetate may no longer show up on these urine ketone testing strips, then you can feel confident that every area of your body, from your brain to your blood, is being nourished by the ketone bodies they prefer as fuel, no matter what the urine test strips show. 
keep your carbohydrate and protein intake at your personal tolerance levels and you'll stay in the glorious state of ketosis where beta-hydroxybutyrate reigns supreme. If you want to know how well you are doing at creating ketones in the blood, you can measure beta-hydroxybutyrate using the blood ketone meters we talked about in chapter eight. Number three, not eating enough saturated and monounsaturated fats. Moment of clarity quote, Nora Gedgaudis. Healthy natural dietary fat is tremendously beneficial to the immune system, especially in foods like pastured butter, grass-fed cultured ghee, and coconut oil. These, along with certain poultry fats, contain antiviral and antimicrobial substances that can help directly support your immune function. An effective state of ketosis also is profoundly anti-inflammatory, helps to curb free radical activity, and supports antioxidant activity. In chapter seven, we underlined the critical importance of eating fat, especially saturated and monounsaturated fats. When you reduce your carbohydrate intake, the macronutrient that needs to go up in response is fat. One of the lingering arguments made by the low-fat propaganda machine that's been working for over three decades is the idea that dietary fat is harmful, that it will clog your arteries and make you fat. We believe these things because we've had them hammered into our heads again and again as the gospel truth for most of our lives. And if a lie is repeated often enough, people will begin to believe it. That's exactly what has happened with the vilification of dietary fat, most notably saturated fat. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. William Davis. I find it astounding that many of my immediate physician and cardiologist colleagues cling to the outdated belief that total and or saturated fat intake are somehow related to heart disease risk. Reassessment of the data used to justify such arguments, as well as more recent clinical studies, demonstrates that total and saturated fat intake have nothing to do with heart disease risk. So it's probably not a huge surprise that many people who begin a low-carb diet simultaneously cut their fat intake as well. They erroneously think that if low-carb is good, then low-fat and low-carb must be better. That's a fatal error if your goal is to get into a state of nutritional ketosis and experience all the benefits it has to offer you. In fact, eating more fat is one of the best ways to stave off the hunger and cravings, especially for carbohydrates, that come when you begin a low-carb diet. Even if you think you're already eating a pretty good amount of quality, whole food sources of fat, you may need to ramp it up a bit more. Before my year-long nutritional ketosis experiment, my diet was probably around 60-65% to 65% fat. By any definition, that's a high-fat diet. As it turned out, though, I needed to bump that up even more until 80-85% to 85% of my calories came from dietary fat. Combined with keeping my carbs to my personal tolerance and protein to my individual threshold, this got my body to begin creating ketones at the right levels for weight and health benefits. 
Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. Ron Rosedale. On a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet, the presence of ketones in the body signals the metabolism of fatty acids as an energy source, either directly or indirectly, via the production and burning of ketones as fuel. This, to me, is essential for the best health you could possibly have. We share recipes and a meal plan in chapters 20 and 21 to show you what a high-fat diet like this looks like, but overall it's pretty simple. Consume more butter, coconut oil, sour cream, cream cheese, full-fat meats, full-fat cheese, avocados, full-fat Greek yogurt, and more. Get creative and don't fear the fat. While you may not need to get 80 to 85% of your calories from fat as I do, you'd be surprised how adding just a bit more fat to your diet can make all the difference in reaching therapeutic levels of nutritional ketosis, gaining the amazing health benefits that come with it, and shedding pounds. Doctor's Note from Dr. Eric Westman. Low-carb, low-fat diets like the South Beach diet, for example, were a marketing maneuver to combine the low-carb diet with the low-fat diet, but it doesn't make physiological sense. The time-honored low-carb ketogenic diet, like the one used by Dr. Atkins in his clinic for 35 years, was always a low-carb diet that was simultaneously high in fat. Number four. Eating too often or too much. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Dominique D'Agostino. The biggest nutritional lie I see is that you need to eat six to seven meals a day for optimal strength and fat burning. This pattern of eating is time consuming, impractical and not supported by the science. Personally, I have been able to maintain the same level of mental energy, physical energy and strength after reducing my meal frequency from six to seven meals a day to two meals a day. Eating less often by eating satiating ketogenic meals is liberating because it reduces preoccupation with food, preparation, cleaning up, carrying food around and stressing out in situations where you can't eat every two to three hours. Shifting the macronutrient ratio of your diet to less carbohydrate and much more fat has a profound satiating and protein-sparing effect. While calories are certainly a controversial subject when it comes to the ketogenic diet, it could be argued that being aware of how much and how often you are eating can make a difference when you are trying to get into ketosis. So do calories count? Well, yes and no. Yes, it is indeed possible to eat beyond satiety and consume more food than you really need. When this happens, more than likely you are pushing your carbohydrate and protein intake well beyond the point where your body can use them properly, stoking hunger and cravings and making you unable to feel satisfied with the proper amount of food. We keep coming back to the idea of keeping carbohydrates and protein at the point of your personal tolerance and individual threshold because this is what will make you most successful on your ketogenic journey. As I learned when I experimented with nutritional ketosis, some truly remarkable things begin to happen to your body once you become keto adapted. 
Hunger is completely zapped. You may forget to eat and you feel energized and alert while going many hours between meals. Your body is quite literally eating stored body fat all day long while your brain is being fueled efficiently by the ketone bodies you are producing. So while we have become conditioned to think that we must eat at specified times throughout the day, maybe we don't. Moment of Clarity Quote, Franziska Spritzler. We tend to underestimate portion sizes, and often there are hidden carbs in meals eaten outside the home. In some people, consuming too much protein can prevent ketosis as well, although this is highly individualized. Measuring foods accurately and tracking your macronutrient and ketone levels for a few days can give you great information to use in formulating your diet to include the right amount of carbohydrates and protein for your own specific needs. There's this idea promoted by our culture that we need to be eating in a pattern that goes something like this. Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, midnight snack. Can I just tell you how utterly ridiculous and unnecessary this is when you are no longer addicted to carbohydrates? Was the 11th commandment God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, thou shalt eat at least three times a day? You'd think it was considering how many people believe there is such a thing as mealtimes. When you start to burn fat for fuel and produce ketones, it's very possible to feel completely satisfied and energized on one, maybe two meals a day. Some people may argue that this promotes an eating disorder or some such nonsense, but why would you eat more food than you need or eat when you're not hungry and your body is doing perfectly well using ketones as an alternative fuel source? There's no need to eat between meals when you're in ketosis. Just eat to satiety at each meal and don't eat again until you're hungry. Moment of Clarity Quote, Jackie Eberstein. In the Atkins Clinic, the only caution we gave patients about eating low-carb, high-fat was to eat until they were satisfied, not stuffed. When you fall into a regular pattern of eating low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat meals with a sufficient amount of calories from high-quality, nutrient-dense whole foods, you'll find that one meal can quite possibly keep your hunger satiated for 12 to 24 hours. I know it sounds preposterous to think you could or would even want to go that long between meals, but it happens naturally because you just don't get jittery and hangry, hungry and angry, when you are in ketosis. We all know people whose personality shifts dramatically when they haven't eaten in a while. My wife Christine will tell you I was one of those people before I started eating low-carb, high-fat. Now, believe it or not, she sometimes has to remind me to eat because I forget. As you can imagine, periods of spontaneous intermittent fasting, which we will explore even more in the next chapter, will help you lower your overall food and calorie consumption without feeling miserably hungry between meals. Too many people are habitually eating at appointed hours during the day, breakfast before going to work or school, lunch during a break in the middle of the day, dinner at home in the evening with the family. But if you allow your cultural paradigms about food to shift from eating by the clock 
to eating when hunger kicks in, then you might be pleasantly surprised to see your blood ketone levels increase, leading to all the health benefits that will give you. Think for a moment about who determines your meal's portion size. The restaurant bringing you a big plate of food? The food manufacturers who create the packaging? It should be your body that determines the amount that you eat. Also, were you raised with the idea that you had to eat everything on your plate because there are starving children in Africa? I think all of our moms pulled that trick on us a time or two growing up. You may have been a member of the Clean Plate Club and were rewarded for eating everything placed in front of you. But these ideas from childhood no longer apply now that you are an adult. Doctor's note from Dr. Eric Westman. Eat until you are 80% full is the way most children in Japan are raised, letting their body's internal control mechanism determine the portion size. Is it a coincidence that Okinawa is well known for having the highest proportion of people living beyond the age of 100? Number 5. Failing to Stabilize Blood Sugar Levels Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. William Davis To achieve a ketotic state, I ask people to begin with grain and sugar elimination. Grains are, by the way, the worst offenders for triggering high blood sugar, even worse than simple sugars such as sucrose. So grain elimination, not reduction, is key for getting into ketosis. Since we're focusing on ketosis, you might wonder why I'm bringing up the subject of blood sugar. Isn't that just something people with diabetes need to be concerned about? If only that were true. The reality is that everyone reading this book right now should be actively using a glucometer to test their blood sugar levels. It is arguably one of the most invaluable and yet underutilized tools at our disposal for assessing how we are doing metabolically. Blood glucose meters are widely available in any pharmacy or drugstore in the world. What's the big deal about knowing your blood sugar? Plenty. Knowing exactly how your body is responding hormonally to food is empowering. Keeping carbohydrate and protein intake to your personal tolerance and individual threshold and eating ample amounts of satiating real food-based fats will lower your fasting blood sugar level to the 80s and even the 70s while simultaneously raising your level of blood ketones. There's almost an inverse relationship between the two numbers. When you're eating a low-carb, high-fat diet, as blood sugar goes down, blood ketones go up. Conversely, as blood sugar goes up, most likely when you consume carbohydrate and protein beyond your tolerance levels, then your blood ketones plummet. Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. Charles Mobs. On the whole, the more adherent you are to a ketogenic diet, the greater improvement you will see in the lowering of blood glucose. Your blood sugar level could be the first sign of how well you are producing ketones. When I tested both my blood sugar and blood ketones day and night for a year, I noticed that blood sugar tends to normalize before blood ketone production increases. For example, if you see your morning fasting blood sugar drop from 99 to 85 within a week of starting on a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat diet, 
you may not see your blood ketones in the range of nutritional ketosis right away. But give it a few more days and the ketones will begin to rise precipitously, while your blood sugar may even drop some more. This is completely normal. When you normalize your blood sugar, hunger pangs and cravings are controlled, your moods even out, and you experience a sense of well-being that can only come from getting off the roller coaster ride of alternating between hyperglycemia, elevated blood sugar, and hypoglycemia, sudden drops in blood sugar. Getting your blood sugar well-regulated and nutritional ketosis will be easier to attain. And conversely, nutritional ketosis will help you regulate your blood sugar. They work together hand in hand to make you successful in your pursuit of ketosis. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Keith Runyon. Because ketones can supply up to 80% of the brain's energy needs in nutritional ketosis, when hypoglycemia does occur, the symptoms are minimal to non-existent because the brain is not starved by the lack of glucose. If you have been struggling with your low-carb, high-fat program and have fallen into some of the same mistakes I was making, don't be discouraged. You are not alone and the low-carb, high-fat diet has not failed you at all. Even those of us who have been doing this for a very long time are susceptible to making these mistakes and correcting them can make all the difference in your success. Coming up in the next chapter, we'll talk more about intermittent fasting and the role it can play in making ketosis happen for you. Key Keto Clarity Concepts from Chapter 10 Simply eating low-carb may not be enough to get into ketosis. Consuming excess protein can derail production of adequate ketones. Choose fattier cuts of meat and avoid the lean meats as much as possible. Stop relying on urine ketone testing strips to determine if you are in ketosis. Urine ketones may disappear as you become more ketoadapted. Failing to eat enough saturated and monounsaturated fats is a huge mistake. Never eat a low-carb, low-fat diet. Your body needs the fat to thrive. You may need to ramp up your fat intake substantially to experience benefits. Calories count in as much as you shouldn't eat beyond satiety. Counting calories is unnecessary if you pay attention to satiety signals. Frequent meals are merely a cultural thing, not a physiological response to hunger. Being in ketosis enables you to spontaneously fast for 12 to 24 hours. Getting blood sugar levels under control is critical to nutritional ketosis. Be encouraged that we all make mistakes in our pursuit of ketosis. Hey guys, it's Jimmy Moore here. Just wanted to let you know about a brand new company that my Keto Talk co-host, Dr. Adam Nally and I created earlier this year. It's called Keto Living. Visit ketoliving.com and you'll see these brand new line of supplements that we have created for your low carb, moderate protein, high fat, ketogenic lifestyle. We currently have two products, the Keto Essentials Multivitamin and the Berberine Plus and coming soon, a high fat shake. But for the month of 
May, we are doing a special on the Keto Essentials multivitamin. When you buy two bottles, you get one free, a $47 value. Now, what's in the Keto Essentials? It's literally everything and the kitchen sink for your ketogenic lifestyle, including alpha lipoic acid, taurine, inositol, polyphenols, EGCG, high gamma mixed tosiferols, coenzyme Q10, methylated folate, and so much more. Again, check it out at ketoliving.com and click on the May special for Keto Essentials Multivitamin Adult Formula. Buy two, get one free. Keto Living. Have you tried Keto Fuel? Go to shopketoshake.com to learn more about Keto Fuel. It's one of the most exciting products to come out in the ketogenic world in a long time. It is a truly low-carb, high-fat shake that does not overload your body with excessive protein that would kick you out of nutritional ketosis. And the taste is outstanding. Reminds me somewhat of a sweetened almond milk. I've mixed it with water with ice cubes in a shaker, but also blended with heavy cream for a luscious milkshake that tastes like a milkshake, but it's healthy. I'm so glad Keto Fuel was created, and I think you're going to love it too. Once again, visit shopketoshake.com to get more information and to place your order for the Keto Fuel. Shopketoshake.com. Have you been interested in trying the new cutting-edge technology of exogenous ketones but didn't know where to get started? Let me introduce you to Perfect Keto. Visit perfectketo.com jimmy and use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto was created by a functional medicine clinician who developed this unique formula for maximum efficacy. It's great tasting and the most affordable exogenous ketone supplement you can find that raises blood ketone levels up to 1.5 millimolar to help increase mental focus, boost your energy, and commence fat burning. It does not contain any soy, dairy, gluten, artificial sweeteners, binding agents, or anything that doesn't directly improve your health. The synergistic power of a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat, ketogenic diet with perfect keto exogenous ketones will have your body running optimally. Perfect Keto is available in delicious chocolate sea salt and peaches and cream flavors. Each serving comes with 11.38 grams of high-quality beta-hydroxybutyrate for maximum ketone boosting while adding in magnesium, potassium, cocoa, stevia, and vitamin C for extra micronutrition. Again, try Perfect Keto for yourself at perfectketo.com jimmy and be sure to use the coupon code LLV at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto. Chapter 15. 10 Criticisms of Very Low-Carb Ketogenic Diets. Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. David Perlmutter. The major criticisms of a ketogenic diet are for the most part theoretical. We do not observe any of these commonly touted issues in our patients. You may have heard some of the lingering arguments opposing the use of ketosis and are concerned about whether or not they are true. In this chapter, we'll take on and take down 10 of the biggest criticisms of very low-carb ketogenic diets. Number one, there's nothing special about ketosis. It simply reduces calories. 
Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. Bill Lagakos. In many clinical studies, the spontaneous reduction in calorie intake experienced by low-carbohydrate dieters is similar in magnitude to that experienced by people advised to restrict calories by cutting down on dietary fat. One study compared two different low-carbohydrate diets, one with higher protein and another with higher fat, to a calorie-restricted low-fat diet. The results showed that the spontaneous reduction in calorie intake in the two low-carbohydrate diets was modestly greater than what the low-fat dieters were able to accomplish and provided more weight and body fat loss. Another study found the spontaneous calorie intake reduction in those assigned to a low-carbohydrate diet didn't surpass that of those instructed to reduce calorie intake by reducing fat intake. And yet those assigned to the low-carb group lost over twice as much body fat. This one has always been especially amusing to me. The argument goes a little something like this. The only reason people succeed on a ketogenic diet is that their appetites are suppressed to the point that they don't eat as many calories as they otherwise would. Does anyone else notice the irony in this? While ketogenic opponents think this is a gotcha moment, it actually strengthens the case for ketosis even more. Pharmaceutical companies have spent hundreds of millions of dollars attempting to create effective drugs for reducing appetite levels. And yet here we have a natural way to do just that without any risky side effects. There's a huge difference between counting calories without regard to the quality of those calories and being mindful in selecting the kind of foods that will fill you up and satisfy you. The fact is calories are naturally managed on a ketogenic diet when you eat to satiety because your hunger is completely controlled. You never have to pull out your calculator to make sure you've stayed within some arbitrary calorie goal. Have you ever wondered how animals in the wild stay so lean and healthy without counting their calories? This is a question we humans should be asking ourselves. The idea that the kind of calories you eat matters immensely is something Temple University School of Medicine researcher Dr. Gunther Bowden observed in a study published in the March 15, 2005 issue of Annals of Internal Medicine. Dr. Bowden concluded that excessive overeating had been fueled by carbohydrates. Carbohydrates increase insulin levels, which leads to the desire to eat more and more calories. But ketogenic dieters make fat and protein their primary food intake, and hunger is well under control. This doesn't occur by accident. When most people begin a ketogenic diet, eating becomes just a normal response to appetite, sometimes for the first time in their lives. I'd say that makes ketosis very special and desirable for anyone who wants to be free from the bondage of calorie counting forever. Doctor's note from Dr. Eric Westman. Eating carbohydrates makes you hungry. If you don't eat carbohydrates, there is no hunger. Of course, you'll never know this until you stop eating carbohydrates. Most Americans have eaten carbohydrates every single day of their lives. Number two, 
Water loss during ketosis comes mostly from a loss of water weight and the breakdown of organs and muscle. It's always humorous to hear people criticize the weight loss that happens during ketosis by mockingly stating that it's only water weight. But the fact is, when we start to lose weight through any method, it's mostly water weight we lose at first. This is partly due to the release of glycogen stores in the muscles. Glycogen, the stored sugar in the body, is filled with water. And since low-carb diets shift the body from sugar burner to fat burner, when glycogen is used up, it isn't completely replaced. And when the glycogen weight is lost, water weight is also lost. It's also partly due to lowered insulin levels. Insulin signals the kidneys to hold on to water and salt. So when you are eating carbohydrates and generating more insulin, you are also retaining more water and salt. Reducing carbohydrate consumption lowers insulin levels, resulting in less retention of salt and water. These certainly aren't bad things, and they explain why some people who are overweight or obese lose a lot of weight when they first begin a low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet. But the interesting aspect of ketosis is that once the water weight is lost, bona fide fat loss begins in earnest. Yes, the amount of weight lost is significantly lower at this point. However, your body is using stored body fat as fuel and is happily burning ketones. So the notion of breaking down organs and muscles on a ketogenic diet is pretty ridiculous, especially when you look at the published research. Nutrition researcher Ansi Meninen from the University of Kuopio Medical School in Finland published a study in the January 2006 issue of the journal Nutrition and Metabolism that examined the effects of a very low-carb diet defined as 10 grams of carbs per day on muscle mass. He concluded that the ketones produced by the liver act as a restraining influence on the breakdown of muscle protein. Additionally, the presence of fatty acids and ketones can actually suppress the oxidation of the amino acids that can cause damage to muscles. In other words, rather than seeing muscle wasting on a very low-carb ketogenic diet, Meninen says this way of eating is actually protective of your lean muscle mass. Doctor's Note from Dr. Eric Westman there is a brainstorming technique in which you turn everything upside down in order to see things differently, and often new solutions to problems will emerge. Muscle cells have glucose receptors, gateways, that require insulin to open. We typically think of these receptors as allowing glucose in, but what if we think of them keeping glucose out? With that shift in perspective, we can think of muscle cells as fat-burning cells that only need sugar when faced with sprinting or other activity that requires bursts of energy. Number three, very low-carb ketogenic diets induce hypothyroidism and adrenal fatigue. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Zishana Rain. Is someone suffering from hypothyroidism because of ketosis, or is it caused by chronic low-calorie intake, stress, or something else, or even a combination of all of this? Without isolating variables, it cannot be said for certain that ketosis is the cause. Number four. 
Hypothyroidism can occur when one thyroid hormone, T4, isn't easily converted into another thyroid hormone, T3. In recent years, some prominent members of the online paleo community have promulgated the idea that the lack of glucose on a ketogenic diet leads to a diminished capacity for T4 to be converted into T3, leading to hair loss, cold hands and feet, general malaise, and other symptoms associated with low thyroid function. It all sounds so dastardly that you might wonder why anyone would ever go on a very low-carb ketogenic diet. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Ron Rosedale. The concern about thyroid function reveals a misunderstanding both among the lay public and among doctors themselves. A lower number does not necessarily mean lower function. Often it means better function. As the body is functioning better, thyroid levels go down. This is a very desirable state. This is what distinguishes health and longevity in many instances. Centenarians have lower thyroid than their elderly peers. When people criticize a very low carbohydrate diet by saying that it causes hypothyroidism, it's not only misleading, but overtly wrong. The problem with this criticism is that it is incomplete. While some on a ketogenic diet may experience hypothyroidism if they aren't consuming enough calories, when calories are adequate, hypothyroidism doesn't occur. It's the number of calories, not the ketogenic diet itself, that matters here. In research studies following people on a well-formulated, low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat diet with adequate calories, there has been no occurrence of low thyroid. And as long as the calories are not restricted on a very low-carb diet, thyroid and metabolic function remain normal without any need for consuming additional glucose. In fact, a diminished thyroid level is not a pathological condition, says nutritional consultant and educator Nora Gedgaudis. As long as calories are sufficient, a lowered thyroid level is actually a sign of improved efficiency of metabolic functioning and is literally a desirable longevity marker. Moment of clarity quote, Nora Gedgaudis. If you happen to have thyroid issues upon embarking on a ketogenic diet, you may experience symptoms of thyroid dysfunction, but people are often very quick to confuse this association with their new diet being the cause. I have never seen the sudden development of non-pre-existing thyroid disease in anyone eating a low-carb, high-fat diet. It is true that over time, there may be a slowed conversion of T4 thyroid hormone into active T3 on a well-formulated ketogenic diet, but this doesn't mean there's a problem. A naturopathic physician named Dr. Chris Decker wrote on this very topic in her online article, Does Paleo Make Us Hypothyroid?, in which she addresses exactly what happens to the thyroid when you are generating ketones while following a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat diet. When we are burning ketones from fat as our primary fuel source, our thyroid just doesn't have to work as hard as it does when it's got to manage bodily metabolism on a less preferred fuel, glucose. When our organs, against their better judgment, are required to metabolize sugar over fat, 
More T3 is needed to deal with this less than ideal scenario. Our thyroid has to work overtime and somebody, poor T3, has got to do the job. But burn fat for fuel instead and T3 gets to stay home and put its feet up. So a reduction in T3 levels is in fact a very good thing. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. J. Wartman. What we consider to be a normal level of thyroid function may actually be an elevated level due to a consistently high carb diet, in which case the lower thyroid function observed on a low carb, high fat ketogenic diet would actually be closer to a normal value. Cardiologist Dr. William Davis also says the claims about very low carb diets and reduced thyroid function are simply untrue. He says that when someone on a ketogenic diet loses weight, levels of thyroid stimulating hormone TSH, one of the three key thyroid hormones checked on a thyroid panel, increase and free T3, another thyroid hormone that's checked on a more advanced thyroid panel, levels decrease which some falsely believe indicates hypothyroidism. But Dr. Davis says this is not entirely accurate. This specific situation does not represent disturbed thyroid function, but rather a physiologic adaptation to limit weight loss by reducing metabolic rate, a survival mechanism that is meant to protect the body from starvation, he explains. These hormonal adjustments are transient and correct themselves over several weeks after weight has plateaued, but it does not represent thyroid dysfunction. Moment of clarity quote, John Kiefer. We see a drop in thyroid hormone levels over the short term on a ketogenic diet, but that's balanced by a more responsive sympathetic nervous system response. As for adrenal fatigue on a ketogenic diet, the thinking has been that a low-carb diet stresses the body, leading to overworked adrenal glands and leaving you feeling tired, fatigued, shaky, unable to recover from workouts, and worse. But what if none of this has anything to do with eating a ketogenic diet? It's more likely that these are symptoms of an underlying issue that was there long before the shift to a ketogenic diet. If not done properly, the transition could trigger a latent problem. Moment of clarity quote, Franziska Spritzler. There are anecdotal reports of people experiencing symptoms of adrenal fatigue or hypothyroidism after being in ketosis for extended periods of time. However, to the best of my knowledge, there are no studies corroborating these reports. Being in a state of ketosis lowers the amount of stress on the body through the elimination of such culprit foods as sugar, white flour, grains, legumes, and more. Switching over from the unnatural and stressful state of being a sugar burner to the more relaxed state of being a fat burner is arguably far less taxing on your adrenal glands. Getting enough sleep, doing some light exercise and engaging in stress-lowering activities will do more to help with adrenal fatigue than trying to blame it on a ketogenic diet. Doctor's note from Dr. Eric Westman. Any approach to eating that is substantially different metabolically from what most people are doing, like a low-carb ketogenic diet, may lead to blood values that are outside the normal range. 
This doesn't always mean the value is unhealthy because the normal range is defined by what is most commonly seen. The levels of thyroid hormone, for example, may be outside the normal range and yet perfectly healthy if the body needs less thyroid hormone in the blood because it is more sensitive to it. Similarly, most keto-adapted people have so-called abnormally low blood glucose because they are burning ketones so much that they don't need high glucose levels anymore. Number four. LDL and total cholesterol increase to unhealthy levels on a ketogenic diet. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. William Davis. An excess of oxidation-prone LDL particles is, by a long stretch, the most common abnormality in people who develop coronary heart disease and heart attack. People who consume plenty of healthy whole grains have astounding excesses of these damaging LDL particles. People who eliminate grains and sugars and enjoy a healthy state of ketosis experience the dramatic reduction, even complete elimination, of these small, dense LDL particles. When you consume a low-carb, high-fat diet, HDL cholesterol, the good kind, goes up. Triglycerides come way down, and LDL cholesterol particles shift from the dangerous, small, dense kind to the much more benign, large, fluffy kind. We talk about all this in much more detail in our book, Cholesterol Clarity. It is true, though, that two numbers on your cholesterol panel, LDLC and total cholesterol levels, may go up in some people on a ketogenic diet. The question is whether or not that indicates something bad is happening with your health. LDLC, a calculated measurement, and total cholesterol are actually two of the most uninteresting numbers on your cholesterol panel, and they don't really matter as much to your overall health as other numbers. What does matter is the LDL particle breakdown, which is presented separately in a more advanced cholesterol panel known as the NMR lipoprofile test. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at jimmylovesfbomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code jimmylovesfbomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. jimmylovesfbomb.com. One of the hottest books in keto right now is called The Keto Diet, The Complete Guide to a High-Fat Diet by Leanne Vogel from Healthful Pursuit. Go get your copy now from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere books are sold. The Keto Diet. Want to enjoy a sweet cookie and still stay in ketosis? 
two friends did just that with Keto Cookie. Christopher and Victor went on the ketogenic diet, lost fat, and felt amazing. But they wanted something sweet and convenient for their busy lifestyle. So they created Keto Cookie and now want to share this sweet satisfaction with you. Is this really keto? Low Carbers tested Keto Cookie with their glucose monitors and were amazed by the results. How is this possible? Keto Cookie is made with non-GMO almond flour, is naturally sweetened with erythritol and monk fruit extract, and has a healthy amount of grass-fed butter, coconut oil, and MCT oil to fuel your day. With less than 2 grams of net carbs, it's the perfect on-the-go snack to keep you energized and ready to inspire the world. Enjoy your chewy childhood favorites like chocolate chip and the cinnamony snickerdoodle, gluten-free, guilt-free, and bake-free. To discover more about Keto Cookie and how two friends are inspiring people to eat smarter but sweeter, visit KetoCookie.com and be sure to use the promo code LLVLC to receive 15% off your order. And follow them on Instagram for exclusive giveaways and specials at Keto cookie. So what should you be paying attention to in your cholesterol tests? Make sure your HDL cholesterol is above 50, ideally higher than 70. Consuming saturated fat helps get you there. Get your triglycerides under 100, ideally under 70. Cutting your carbohydrate intake does this best. Shift your LDL particle size determined with the NMR lipoprofile test, which any doctor can have run, to mostly the large fluffy kind by eating a low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet. Additionally, get an HSCRP, high-sensitivity C-reactive protein blood test, to check for signs of inflammation, the true culprit in heart disease, and a CT scan of your heart to look for any signs of disease. And if you are concerned about your cholesterol while on a low-carb, high-fat diet, read Cholesterol Clarity, which delves into this topic in great detail. Number five, very low-carb diets induce mucus deficiency, leading to dry eyes and mouth. Moment of Clarity quote, Dr. Ron Rosedale. The so-called problem of ketogenic diets leading to mucus deficiency is being grossly misinterpreted. First, I have not seen this in decades of using this diet with patients. Second, the claim is that mucus is a glycoprotein that requires glucose. So not eating glucose will diminish its production, resulting in dry eyes and mouth. However, this makes little sense in light of the fact that during starvation, serum glucose is maintained at normal levels almost until death. In other words, there is plenty of glucose available if it is absolutely necessary. This criticism of very low-carb diets simply leaves me crying. Seriously. The idea is that because our bodies need glucose to make mucus, including saliva, sweat, and tears, if you don't consume enough carbohydrates, you'll be reaching for the visine early and often. Can I just say how utterly ridiculous this is? As someone who has eaten a low-carb, high-fat diet for over a decade, I've never had an issue with dry eyes and mouth. And I've interacted with tens of thousands of people who eat this way, and never once have I ever heard anyone dealing with this issue. Nutritional consultant and educator Nora Gidgaudis says that no healthy person adopting a ketogenic diet is going to need to worry about a mucus deficiency. 
I can honestly say I have personally never once encountered a mucus deficiency issue when it comes to this way of eating, she said. Gagata said, there is a lot of fear mongering that is absurdly alarmist and completely unrelated to a normal, healthy ketogenic state. Mucus production happens normally on a very low-carb diet because our bodies can make enough glucose through gluconeogenesis. Unless there is some underlying metabolic issue regarding amino acids, this criticism is really a red herring. Gedgaudis notes that a study published in the June 2006 issue of the Journal of Nutrition found that impaired production of mucin, the molecules that make up mucus, has more to do with amino acid imbalances than a carbohydrate deficiency. Consuming bone broth and pasture-raised gelatin will help restore any amino acid imbalances, she explained. If someone on a very low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet is dealing with dry eyes and mouth, it's more likely that they are simply more prone to this than others. Sensitivities to specific foods or food components could also contribute to these problems. This underscores the importance of tinkering with your own diet to look for things like dairy intolerance, problems with nightshades like tomatoes and peppers, for instance, and more. An autoimmune elimination diet can help you determine if you have a sensitivity to particular foods. To learn more about that diet, check out The Paleo Approach by Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. Number six, the lack of fiber in a very low-carb diet results in constipation. Dietary fiber has been given a virtual health halo by nutrition experts as the ideal way to fill you up and keep you regular. So it should come as no surprise that a very low-carb diet would come under fire from these same health gurus. Yes, you do greatly reduce the amount of fiber you consume when you eat a ketogenic diet. However, you get plenty of fiber from non-starchy and green leafy vegetables without resorting to eating healthy whole grains. Furthermore, constipation is easily avoided by simply drinking more water and adding more sea salt and magnesium to your diet. Doctor's Note from Dr. Eric Westman Just about everyone notices that they tend to have fewer bowel movements after going on a ketogenic diet. This is not a medical problem that needs to be treated. However, if you have hard stools or hard-to-pass stools during the keto adaptation period, then drinking water, consuming bouillon broth, and using milk of magnesia are all useful remedies. Number 7 very low-carb ketogenic diets contain major nutrient deficiencies. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Terry Walls. People often experience health benefits from going into ketosis. However, if they do not eat sufficient amounts of micronutrients, especially vitamin C, K, and E, and plant-based antioxidants, they are likely to develop insufficiency of these nutrients after two or three years of ketosis, as the stores of these nutrients are used up. It is possible to maintain intake of antioxidants and vitamins C, K, and E while in ketosis by eating more organ meats, greens, and sulfur-rich vegetables such as onions, mushrooms, and cabbages. Some registered dietitians promote the idea that eating a very low-carb ketogenic diet will leave you deficient in some key nutrients. 
What's ironic about this notion is that a healthy, low-carb diet includes some of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, filled with so many essential vitamins and minerals to help your body thrive. While fruits and vegetables are often assumed to be the sole source of this nutrition, the fact is plenty of low-carb, high-fat foods are also rich in nutrients. Ketogenic diet staples such as red meat, eggs, cheese, fish, and nuts offer up something that is completely lacking in a low-fat diet, fat-soluble vitamins. These can only be absorbed when you eat fat, and they're essential for your health. So instead of creating nutrient deficiencies, a low-carb, high-fat diet is actually providing even more nutrition than you've probably ever experienced before. Number 8. On a ketogenic diet, you can develop scurvy due to lack of vitamin C. Moment of clarity quote, Dr. Keith Runyon. Two explorers, Wilhelmurv Stefansson and Kay Anderson, lived and traveled with the Inuit for nine years while eating the Inuit's animal-based, low-carb, high-fat diet. These two explorers were later studied for one year at Bellevue Hospital in New York, on the all-meat, including organ meat and bone broth, ketogenic diet, and the results were published in 1930. They remained healthy during the one-year study and didn't develop scurvy or other nutritional deficiencies, as had been predicted by the leading nutritionists of the day. The scaremongering continues with the claim that being in a state of ketosis doesn't allow your body to absorb enough vitamin C, which leads to scurvy, a condition that manifests with symptoms of extreme fatigue, spots on the skin, sore and bleeding gums, and depression. Those who are not extremely sensitive to carbohydrates have the option of eating plenty of excellent low-carb, non-starchy vegetables that are packed with vitamin C, such as broccoli, kale, and green peppers, for example. But even if these vegetables aren't a major part of your ketogenic diet, there's another key point to remember. Because carbs deplete the amount of vitamin C in your body, you won't need as much vitamin C when you cut carbs. So eating a high-carb diet full of sugar, grains, and starchy foods actually means you need more vitamin C than when you are in a state of ketosis. Finally, vitamin C is found in animal-based foods as well, as Arctic explorer and researcher Wilhelmur Stefansson proved. He studied the nutritional habits of the Inuit population in Alaska for nine years in the early 1900s, and he noticed their diet was mostly fat and protein with very little carbohydrate consumption for most of the year. In other words, these people are most certainly in ketosis most of the time. After Stefansson returned home and shared his findings, the medical establishment refused to believe he could have been healthy surviving on mostly fat, moderate amounts of protein, and very few carbohydrates. So he agreed to do a one-year metabolic ward study in which he was locked in a hospital ward so that all his food intake could be tracked and his health analyzed. At the end of that experiment, during which he consumed a virtually all-meat diet, he exhibited no signs of any health problems and had no vitamin deficiencies. The results of that study were published in the Journal of Biological Chemistry in 1930. 
So much for trying to scare people away from keto with scurvy fears. Doctor's note from Dr. Eric Westman. I heard a talk given by an expert on the health of the Inuit. She explained that the Inuit never developed scurvy because there was plenty of vitamin C in the foods that they ate. Of course, it was so cold where the traditional Inuit lived that they never ate fruits or vegetables, just animal products. Just to show you how ingrained the importance of fruit and vegetables is in our culture, at the end of her talk, she reminded us that despite this information, we should still eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Go figure. Number nine, consuming a very low carb diet will increase the occurrence of kidney stones. Moment of clarity quote, Jackie Eberstein. The common misinformation that ketosis and low-carb diets cause kidney damage and kidney stones has not been seen in clinical practice, nor has it been demonstrated in the numerous studies done over the last 15 years or so. Instead, the results we've seen have all been positive. This is another common criticism of very low-carb diets that has no basis in reality. The claim is that people who consume a ketogenic diet are 500 times more likely to develop kidney stones composed of uric acid and 50 times more likely to develop the more common calcium oxalate kidney stones. What is their proposed solution? Eat more carbohydrates like white rice and potatoes. Moment of clarity quote, Nora Gedgaudis. If a person is uncomfortably symptomatic in some way, then they need to dig deep with a qualified, knowledgeable, and capable professional to determine the underlying problem. Here's one hint. It has nothing to do with a starch deficiency. Dig deeper. One cannot consume so-called safe starches like white rice and potatoes and expect to maintain a healthy ketogenic state. Just like the fears about dry eyes and mouth discussed earlier, this could be an example of blaming a ketogenic diet when someone is predisposed to having kidney stones anyway. To help prevent kidney stones, make sure you are properly hydrated, supplement your diet with magnesium and potassium citrate, eliminate soda from your diet, it's full of phosphates that contribute to stone formation, and keep an eye on the pH balance of your urine. You can test it with strips available in any health store and tinker with your diet to get it more alkaline than acidic. One thing to keep in mind is that kidney stone formation is more common on a high-carb diet, not a low-carb one as shared in a British Journal of Urology study published in December 1978. It is also important to note that many who embark on a low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet tend to be those who are dealing with obesity, type 2 diabetes, and metabolic syndrome, all of which are contributing factors in the development of kidney stones. And if your low-carb diet contains higher levels of protein than you need, that too can raise your uric acid excretion, which leads to kidney stones, yet another reason to moderate your protein intake and increase the amount of fat you consume. While blood levels of uric acid do indeed increase when you first go ketogenic, those levels normalize within four to eight weeks. Number 10. 
Very low carb diets induce insulin resistance and a glucose deficiency. Moment of clarity quote, nor get goutis. There is no such thing as a glucose deficiency. This cannot be found in any medical textbook on the planet. Quite frankly, this is the most laughable criticism of all. The argument is that eating a very low-carb diet leads to a glucose deficiency, which brings on insulin resistance, in which the body cannot utilize insulin efficiently, leading to blood sugar dysregulation and other weight and health problems. People who say this believe that insulin resistance occurs on a ketogenic diet as a means of protecting glucose for the brain to function properly. Where do you start with such nonsense? Let's just say right away that there is no such thing as a glucose deficiency. Your body and brain function perfectly well using ketones as a fuel source. Because fatty acids and ketones are replacing glucose, blood sugar levels fall below that we might consider the normal range. But this isn't a bad thing at all. In fact, the lower need for glucose actually preserves muscle mass and the hormonal mechanism for blood sugar regulation is inhibited by the presence of fatty acids and ketones, making them an adequate substitute for glucose. Keep in mind that being in a state of ketosis actually protects against insulin resistance, which could come on with a vengeance if you began consuming carbohydrates again. This is why if you eat a low-carb, high-fat ketogenic diet, you should never take an oral glucose tolerance test. The glucose syrup concoction they give you will overload your body and not give an accurate picture of what is actually happening in the body. The bottom line is this. Consuming a diet that is very low in carbohydrates and high in fat prevents insulin resistance. The presence of beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone body in the blood, increases your resistance to oxidative stress and acts as an anti-inflammatory agent, a very good thing for your overall health. Try as they may, the people who are opposed to a healthy ketogenic diet cannot prevent the truth about its incredible therapeutic effects from getting out. Coming up in the next three chapters, we'll examine the scientific evidence in support of low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat diets in three waves. What we have solid evidence for, what we have reasonably good evidence for, and what are emerging areas of interest. If a study has shown that ketosis helps with a particular condition, then you'll read about it in the following chapters. Get ready to be amazed. Key Keto Clarity Concepts from Chapter 15 The spontaneous reduction in calories consumed is a major benefit of ketosis. Weight loss on any diet begins with the loss of water weight before fat loss commences. The hysteria over very low-carb diets inducing hypothyroidism is unwarranted. Shifting from focusing on LDL-C and total cholesterol to focusing on LDL particles is better for determining actual heart health risk. There is no evidence that a ketogenic diet causes a lack of mucus. Constipation on a low-carb diet can be fixed with vegetables, salt, magnesium, and water. 
The notion that a ketogenic diet causes nutrient deficiencies is unfounded as long as you consume a variety of nutrient-rich foods. Despite the scaremongering, scurvy from a lack of vitamin C isn't an issue on ketogenic diets. Kidney stones are the result of a high-carb diet, not a low-carb one. Very low-carb diets improve insulin sensitivity rather than inducing insulin resistance. There is no such thing as a glucose deficiency. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Keto Talk. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.